Welcome to the Indiana 4-H Clover Call podcast, where our goal is to share information about the people and programs that make the Indiana 4-H Youth Development Program such an important part of our communities. We welcome youth and adult 4-H volunteers, 4-H youth and their families, extension professionals, and any others who are interested in providing positive opportunities for youth. We thank you for joining us for this episode, which begins now. Welcome to the episode two of the Clover Call podcast. I'm Adam Tyler, 4-H educator in Fountain County. Today, I'm excited to be joined by four of our Indiana 4-H specialists. And I'd like to thank each of you for being here on our podcast today. And to begin, we will start with Jenny Clark. So Jenny, tell us about yourself and what is your role with Indiana 4-H? Hi, thank you. I am the 4-H Marketing and Communications Specialist for Indiana, which means that I get to celebrate our amazing 4-Hers every day. Uh, I run the Indiana 4-H Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter accounts. I maintain the State 4-H website. I help capture photos, videos, and written stories about our 4-H members and our volunteers and any events we host, and I get to work at the state office in West Lafayette with the rest of the folks on the call today and also work with educators, volunteers, parents, and youth across the state. Okay. Now you'd said like some of the activities stuff you, is there any like special activities or like major events with 4-H that you handle or that you help kind of focus on planning throughout the year with Indiana 4-H? So since I'm not a content area specialist, I kind of get to help with every event that we host, um, whether that be, you know, very hands-on helping with check-in or uh, just posting about it on social media after the fact or helping to advertise it leading up to it. So I don't have a specific event I'm responsible for. I get to help with every single one. Awesome. Now, you know, as much as you do, I know you you're very busy with a lot of the stuff that you do, especially with Indiana 4-H. But when you, like, say, with your interactions with, say, the educators in the counties, the volunteers, youth, what are some of the, like, specific ways you interact, say, one-on-one or do with those particular individuals within 4-H? Sure. So my favorite part of my job is when somebody calls with a question and that could Mm -hmm. be an educator or a family. Um, Every once in a while we have youth that reach out with questions too, Um, but that's pretty general. So some more specific things that I do, uh, I help educators order physical marketing materials. I provide them with digital marketing materials like social media graphics. Uh, The physical things would be things like yard signs or flyers or bookmarks to give out. And uh, educators often will reach out for help promoting a local program, uh, as well as our state and national opportunities in 4-H. A cool thing that I got to do last year for the Indiana 4-H Leadership Summit was help organize a panel of youth who were uh, speaking with us about creating a welcoming environment. And in the process, I got to uh, help capture the stories of those young people 
And so any project that results, you know, in photos or videos, I think ends up being really memorable for me. Uh, another one that was very hands-on with youth was at Roundup a couple years ago. It was the 100th anniversary and we organized a huge photo that uh, we had kids kind of lined up in the shape of a, a clover in the number 100. So maybe we can link that in the show notes. Uh, but those are, those are some hands-on things with youth that I get to do as well. That is awesome. And so one other question, kind of with, when you think of 4-H, where do you see 4-H going in the future? That's a great question. I definitely see 4-H meeting families where they are. Um, just like we have been in this very unique year of 2020. And that can only happen through the incredible creativity of our 4-H staff and volunteers. Uh, I'd love to see more youth voice, which means youth deciding what 4-H should be. Uh, and I'd like to see any kid, no matter where they're from or what they're interested in, feeling welcome in 4-H and finding a place where they can thrive with the support of caring adults. Awesome. And to kind of wrap it up, today I'd like to just ask you a fun question if you if you had a chance to have dinner with say one famous person say alive or from history who would it be and why so right now at this moment I think my person would be British gardener Monty Don mm -hmm. he uh has just inspired me this season to really invest time in my garden. And he's a great teacher, um, you know, via YouTube mm -hmm. and things like that. Uh, but I've really enjoyed tending my garden this year and I would have lots of plant related questions for Monty. I already feel like we're friends and I'd love to meet him. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jenny. So our next specialist I would like to chat with today is Ziamara Diaz-Vargas. So Ziamara, how about, um, we'll start off and have you just tell us about yourself and what is your role with Indiana 4-H? Good morning, Adam. And um, yes, I'm a native, um, uh, uh, I'm native from Puerto Rico, from the island of mm -hmm. Puerto Rico, and I'm a second generation in 4-H and a second generation of extension professional. Um, I'm the mom of three 4-H alumni, and uh, right now they are in college. And my role in extension start as a ag and natural resource agent in Puerto Rico and become uh, a 4-H agent in Florida, continue my career in Texas as a 4-H livestock um, uh, agent, and move to Indiana and join Indiana 4-H and serve as an extension educator in Marion County for three years. And um, in terms of my role, um, I'm the state specialist for new audience initiatives here for the state of Indiana. And um, as part of my role, I, I and this is the way I, I want to define it. I, I identify and cre or create and provide support and implement programs and partnership that seek engagement and sustainability for new audiences and first generations in 4-H program. Uh, first generations 4-H includes Plus youth, volunteers, and partners, to mention a few. It's not just the youth aspect. Mm -hmm. um, and as we um, are aware, like any youth that has been um, exposed to extension programs, they, they are for a youth. For that reason, we are here um, to provide accessibility 
the youth, the all, all the potential youth um, that live in our communities. Awesome. And so, Ziamara, when you think about some of the, like with, I know with your initiative, you're, you know, looking at some of our new audiences and doing that, but what are some of the specific, like, um, events and activities that you work with maybe directly or, you know, really kind of handle throughout the Indiana 4-H in terms of your area? Yes, that's a very good question. And so far in terms of initiatives, um, I can narrow those down based mm -hmm. on like number of uh, names and, and, and you might be familiarized with those. Um, these are mm -hmm. new initiatives, but um, in this case, uh, I can mention Juntos 4-H is one mm -hmm. of our biggest um, initiatives at this point. Uh, this uh, program, uh, it will be implemented or it is implemented in three different counties um, at, at this point. It's supported by a, by a federal grant for CIFAR and it's um, for academic success mm -hmm. for Latino youth. And um, that's uh, with that project that at least we have funded for the next four years, we will be able to um, serve and and provide a 4-H experience and a 4-H uh, profile to around 400 uh, youth. And another program is the Indie Youth Food Challenge. That's something that is a modified um, initiative that I learned how to do it when I was serving in Texas. And it's a very uh, uh, unique experience in terms of like, how things have been evolving in our program where we have these clubs that are focused on food um, uh, cooking clubs or food preparation and food handling and how mm -hmm. you combine all these um, aspects of like working as a team and the public speaking and put that together and create a kind of a judging team or judging program that, that we used to um, um, be very familiarizing terms of the act component, but using all those um, aspects and and invest that and bring that to the youth um, in a contest mm -hmm. after they go through all the practices and work as a team. Um, the other uh, initiative is the 4 Soccer for Success. This mm -hmm. is a, a partnership with the U.S. Soccer Foundation, and it's a specifically um, has been created for underserved and underrepresented youth is a program that promote nutrition, but at the same time, it promotes mentorship and an opportunity to have like um, a well-proof program in after-school settings. And um, the other um, initiative is um, True Leaders in Equity. Uh, we have um, several uh, teams from Indiana that had been getting trained on how to proceed in um, equity work. And that's, uh, it, it's, it's delivered by National Council, but it's impacting our states as well. And also working with initiative related with cultural awareness for teams. Awesome. Those are some very neat programs. I'm, I'm excited to see those, you know, as those bloom and grow. I think they're going to be really amazing for Indiana 4-H and for our state especially. So like if you, with the area that you work, what are some ways that you directly interact with some of our 4-H educators, the volunteers and youth in our counties? Okay, well, that's a very interesting question because mm -hmm. um, I, I never, I think this is the first time I get asked that way okay. uh, or have that question. <laughs> um, 
the thing is that I use anything that provide communication. Mm -hmm. It can be in English, it can be in Spanish. Um, awesome. And in this case, like text messages, I will say that is mm -hmm. the most popular and engaging way to to reach out to our um, uh, well to. Uh, that mm -hmm. those are specific audiences, um, but also uh, the formal way by email and phone calls. Like I, mm -hmm. most of my contacts on my phone are from 4-H um, <laughs> um, stakeholders, which means that they are a big part of like yeah. my life. And, but in terms of like um, interaction, like I visit, uh, I, I like to do uh, personal visits. I, I'm new to, I still feel not new to 4-H, but new to the Indiana culture. And to me, it's very important to have that close relationship in terms of like, try to understand the culture of each um, group and area. Because um, of course, I, I, I was not born and raised here and, and I have my own identity and my identity was formed based on the culture I grew up. For that reason, I, I believe in respect and I believe that it's not one size fits all. For that reason, I, I want to make a close approach um, every time I, I just have an assignment. Um, it, it's not just having a guide, it's also to understand the, the needs and the opportunities that awesome. um, our potential clients have. Well, that's, that's amazing. And then, you know, in your area, I think there's, you know, I'm excited to see kind of with growth, I know especially trying to bring in new audiences to 4-H, where, where do you see 4-H going in the future for here in Indiana? Okay, the future, it's great because I always see the opportunity. And right now, even it's just, a, it's, it is a national um, 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 purpose of growing. I always mm -hmm. see, uh, since I started working for Extension, and that was like several years ago, I always look for that opportunity of growing, and that's what I see in in Indiana. Well, the the youth development community organization. It is the youth development community organization mm -hmm. that promote what influenced my family and first generation in 4-H accessibility, diversity, and inclusivity. It is clear to me that because my personal story, that hopefully one day I can um, share that with you and and mm -hmm. with the audience. Um, uh, with my personal story that 4-H was created with the purpose of changing people's lives for good. And um, meeting youth and families where they are, as Jenny said, um, uh, it, it's a key. Um, I'm, a, mm -hmm. I'm a product of that. Um, and we have tools and resources that help people strive. And that's not a question. That's completely proof. And we have to feel proud about what the power of those resources we can we can deliver to all the families in our communities and generations to come. That is awesome. And just kind of to wrap it up with one kind of a fun question. If you had to think of somebody that you could have dinner with that's you know famous living or from history, who would that be and why? Okay. Another good question. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, as, as a, a person that grew up in the Caribbean and, mm -hmm. and also that it was more in touch with like the Latin American history as well as you, mm -hmm. but in this specific case, I will say um, Eva Peron. 
Um, mm -hmm. She served as the Argentina's first lady. Uh, and that was um, around 1946 and uh, 1952. Mm -hmm. um, this lady, um, or people call her Evita, uh, mm -hmm. became a powerful political figure with a, with a large support of, of the poor people and, and working class. She inspired millions of people, including me, even we mm -hmm. just learn about her through history um, with her campaigns to help the poor people and give women um, the right to vote. And, and as a woman, I have to be thankful for mm -hmm. those pioneers and those champions that help us to have voice. And it, it relates with the mission that we promote in 4-H, giving voice to the youth as well. Um, mm -hmm. As also as the president's wife, she took a high profile campaigns for issues, um, as we mentioned, as um, human rights. And we have um, champions in, in the history of the United States with those same missions, which means that we are all like, um, we all, I see people in terms of like the missions they have in life. And mm -hmm. that's what like, uh, make me admire them and they took actions and even we have individuals that didn't that were not born with the condition of being privileged or, or have power as soon as they found that opportunity to help others they took advantage of it and mm -hmm. and she's a great example of that that is awesome and Zamara, thank you so much for sharing today and it was great getting a chat with you and hear your background on things and so our next specialist we're gonna to get to hear from today is Angie Frost. So Angie, to start out, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and what is your role within Indiana 4-H? Well, good morning. Thank you for inviting me to share mm -hmm. my 4-H story with all of you. Um, as Adam said, my name is Angie Frost and I'm an extension specialist in healthy living. And I'm also a registered dietitian. And so I get to work with a fantastic group of educators across the state to bring nutrition, physical activity, and social emotional health to all of our communities. Um, I'm just starting my sixth year with Extension, and um, I do not have a long history in 4-H uh, because I was not a part of 4-H growing up. Um, every day at work, I find that I'm sad about that. I feel like I missed out on a lot. Um, I did know about 4-H, but it was not big in my area. I didn't have a lot of friends who were in it, um, but I have absolutely learned a lot in my six years and would encourage anybody to get involved with 4-H. That's awesome. And so like with your role in Indiana 4-H, what are some specific like events and activities that you handle or focus on within Indiana 4-H throughout the year? Well, I get to work really closely with Steve and the other state mm -hmm. staff members on Teens as Teachers, which mm -hmm. is a really great program for youth in grades um, eight through 12, eight through 11-ish. Mm -hmm. um, and they come together and get to learn specific subject matter area and learn how to teach those younger than them. Um, and actually, we've had lots of Teens as Teachers teach older adults as well. So they come and learn the skills to teach specific subject matter, in my case, healthy living. And then they're able to go out into the community and teach that subject matter, um, which is really amazing to see. They, they do such a great job with that. I also am a youth mental health first aid trainer. So mm -hmm. I get to provide youth mental health first aid courses to the public. 
And those are intended to be for adults who work with youth. And again, I would encourage anyone who works with youth to take a youth mental health first aid course. Mm -hmm. They can only um, better the community by knowing how to help someone who is in need. And I also oversee and manage 4-H Academy, which again is a program for ninth through 12th graders to come on campus and learn about different career opportunities. That is awesome. And yes, those are some great programs. And you mentioned the mental health first aid. I actually took that class when I was a teacher and it's, it is an amazing class and I'd put a plug in for that. And it's a great thing. And I'm so thankful that 4-H and Purdue Extension is offering that because it's something that's needed, but it's an amazing program for sure. And so absolutely. When, and, and we have start, we have started back up offering those mm-hmm. courses again. We were sort of, um, halted for a while because of COVID-19, but those are taking place again. Mm-hmm. And we do have courses from through the end of the year scheduled. So if people are interested, they can um, find out more on the Purdue Extension Mental Health First Aid page. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm I'm excited for you. I hope that we get the people back up, fired back up on it with these new options for sure. So I'm you know, I'm grateful you guys are out looking at some new ways to get it to the people because that's definitely a neat, well-needed thing for our state. So when you stop and think about um, kind of how you interact, when, what are some of the ways that you interact with our 4-H educators in the counties, our volunteers, and our youth, you know, throughout the state? Well, I'm definitely always just an email or phone call away mm-hmm. if someone has um, in so if someone's in need of guidance on any kind mm-hmm. of health living topic, um, so they can just reach out. Um, during COVID nineteen, uh, obviously, as everyone else, we've had to change the way we do things. So I've been providing Wellness Wednesday tips and recipes mm-hmm. via social media, um, just to keep the messages out there, um, keep them current, uh, mm-hmm. provide some social and emotional help information as well to help people cope with all that's going on in the world. And then also the Healthy Living team and I um, provide lessons on anything that's current in healthy living topics. So that information is available to educators on the intranet or, you know, our our own extension um, site. And then for volunteers and for youth on our Purdue 4-H page, they are able find information um, if they have club meetings or if they have small gatherings and they would like to do a um, healthy living topic, then they can find the information on our 4-H page. That is awesome. And so when you stop and think about kind of 4-H, Indiana 4-H, where do you see Indiana 4-H going in the future? Well, my uh, focus is always healthy living as you Mm -hmm tell from our conversation here, but I really do see a heightened focus on the fourth H or health um, Mm -hmm. as youth and adults continue to pledge their health to better living. I really hope they understand that good physical and mental health are the foundation of everything else. So without good health, we can't learn or thrive or grow to our greatest potential. So it really is the basis for everything. Um, So I really do see um, not only 4-H growing in other areas, but also having that heightened focus on healthy living. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that's that's definitely an important area right now, for sure. So kind of to wrap it up, um, just a fun question that 
kind of get you thinking a little bit here. If you had to pick a famous person, you know, it can be living, it could be somebody from history that you could have dinner with, who would it be and why? Well, I thought about this question for such a long time because there are <laughs> so many people that yeah. I could say that I would like to have dinner with. Um, not surprisingly, they almost all revolve around food or travel um, because those are my two passions. Um, mm -hmm. So I had thought about Julia Child. I thought about Anthony mm -hmm. Bourdain, but I ultimately settled on Jose Andres. Mm -hmm. He is a Spanish American chef who um, is the founder of the World Central Kitchen, which is a nonprofit that is devoted to providing meals in the wake of natural disasters. Uh, I also saw that they rallied around and got chefs together to go out to locations where voting has lines of up to 12 hours and they were feeding the people who were in line. Um, so I just am so impressed with him. Um, mm -hmm. Not only is he really helping to feed the world, but he also is the chef owner of my absolutely favorite restaurant in the entire world. So I would want to have dinner with Jose Andres. That is awesome. Thank you so much, Angie, for sharing today and, you know, give us, you know, some of your background on this today so people can get to know you. And so our last specialist we're going to, you know, wrap up today with is with Steve McKinley. So, Steve, we'll have you start out by telling us about yourself and what is your role within Indiana 4-H? Well, thank you, Adam, and thanks for letting us be part of this program today. We really appreciate the chance to to talk and interact with some folks that we might not get to in another way. But uh, I am Steve McKinley. I serve as a 4-H extension specialist on Purdue's campus, and my area is to work in the areas of leadership and volunteerism. So that means I work on programming and resources for both youth and adult volunteers. I've been in, in this position about 17 years or so. Mm -hmm. Prior to that time, I was a county 4-H educator for about 13 and a half years in White County, Indiana. And my 4-H experience began way back a long time ago as a 4-H member in Marion County on the east side of Indianapolis. That's awesome. So when you stop and think about some of the activities, and I know you you handle a lot of broad activities throughout the state and but what are some of the uh, specific events and activities that you handle or have it kind of directly planned throughout the year for Indiana 4-H? The cool thing about my job is I get to do a lot of different things and I get to work mm -hmm. with a lot of different people. And those that you've already heard from this morning are a great part of mm -hmm. our team and as well as our 4-H educators around the state. And so some of the things that I work with would be the uh, the 4-H Volunteer Development Committee. Adam, you're a part mm -hmm. of that, so you know what we mm -hmm. do there. But uh, working on resources that we can put together that will help support our volunteers as well as our educators who are working with our volunteers. So that would be one of our teams. Another team is our 4-H Civic Engagement Team. That's one of our our mission areas that we have in 4-H and so anything related to civic engagement, anything related to leadership for youth and adults is something that we also try to put together. Uh, we have a program right now working with growing junior leaders into the future and so we're trying to find ways that we can help our, our teen leaders, our junior leaders to be able to have uh, stronger experiences, maybe more consistent experiences across the state and so we've just released some new resources and some new marketing tools that Jenny had a huge hand in to make sure that 
that that we can all get that branding out there and be able to understand that we are uh, a unified group with junior leaders. A little bit more specifically, Adam, some of the things that I do, I, I get to work with the State 4-H Junior Leader Conference mm -hmm. each year. That's an event held in June uh, that's for our junior leader audiences. So our high school students can come together for about three or four days and, and learn some individual and some group leadership skills. Uh, part of that uh, group is the State 4-H Junior Leader Council. And so that is a group of young people who really plan and implement the program with our guidance, but they are there and, and do a fantastic job of making that program happen. Uh, Angie mentioned teens as teachers. That certainly is one mm -hmm. that we work with and have a teen leadership track as a part of that uh, experience. We uh, work together to put on the 4-H Leadership Summit each fall. It's a one-day event that we have to uh, not only provide some education for our youth volunteers as well as our adult volunteers, but also provide some recognition for our volunteers and for all their uh, service that they've provided throughout the years and also the outstanding excellence that they've shown as a part of that program. Um, additional things that we can do, uh, we have a global gateway experience that uh, helps them to better understand, helps the participants better understand how, what it's like to be in a poverty situation for a very short time, but it's got some pretty good impact that goes along with that also. Uh, get to assist with the 4-H shooting sports program and the more of the risk management side of that, trying to make mm -hmm. sure that we've got our, our shooting sports coordinators trained as well as our, mm -hmm. our certified instructors that are going to be out working with our 4-H our members. Uh, get to to serve as the 4-H military liaison. And so we have not a lot of military uh, uh, presence in the state of Indiana, mm -hmm. but we do have quite a bit in the terms of, of National Guard and Reserves. And so be able to put together some resources for them, work with the uh, military teen adventure camp program as well that's offered throughout the country and then also serve as the advisor for the purdue collegiate 4-h group and so that's a group that meets on campus and and does some things around the state when we're able to uh, looking at some virtual options that we can do here coming up in the in the next few months or so uh, work on a 4-h civic engagement workshop as a part of the uh, 4-H Academy at Purdue that Angie mentioned, and uh, some of those different types of things keep me keep me occupied in addition to working with 4-H policies and procedures. And that's mm -hmm. the fun part of our job, right? Uh, things oh, that we yeah. know we have to be able to do to, to make sure that the program runs runs as smoothly as possible. Yeah, yeah and that I, I know you're very busy and you mentioned policy and procedure and we had many conversations this last summer um, and, you know, and you helped me through navigate through some stuff this last summer and we got everything working, but we, you know, we had a smooth summer and I appreciate your expertise for sure on that. So um, now when you stop and think about how you get to interact, say directly with educators, 4-H educators, volunteers, and youth, what are some ways that you get to directly interact with them in the counties? I guess would be a good kind of just so people get to see how you get to get in the counties and work with some of our, you know, the ones involved with 4-H. And so, Adam, I think you made a very good transition right there just with your, mm -hmm. your uh, comment about uh, how I interact with educators. Mm -hmm. And I, I consider my primary audience to be the 4-H educators in the mm -hmm. state of Indiana. And so I work with them and they work with the volunteers and the volunteers work with the youth. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a... Uh, not a hierarchy at all, but it's certainly, that's just kind of the way our audiences work. And so, yes, I would say the, the majority of my interaction occurs with the educators mm -hmm. uh, via phone calls a lot of times, or also emails back and forth, trying to just help think about 
alternatives. Think about options. Mm -hmm. Think about how to navigate some things. Uh, we hope that they're all good things, but sometimes mm -hmm. there's some challenges we have to think about. And so what are some ways that we can can make it the best program possible? Because we're always mm -hmm. thinking about the youth, their, their safety, number one, but also are they getting a positive experience out of the 4-H program? And so what can we do working together mm -hmm. with our educators, working together with our volunteers to make sure that that happens? And so sometimes those conversations are easier than others, but we certainly be able to think Think about uh, how can we work together to make this a great experience. So that that I consider to be my primary mm -hmm. audience, just helping those educators to do the uh, do the job that they've been hired to do, and that's to lead a positive mm -hmm. youth development program. Also have the opportunity then to work with the young people and mm -hmm. and some of those conferences and events, and that's uh, probably the best part of my job is when I get to mm -hmm. to interact with those young people. Uh, the State Junior Leader Council is a, a fantastic group of young people each year to work with, and it's always exciting to watch them uh, from the from the end of the conference where they were selected to be on the council to the time mm -hmm. that they actually implement the, implement the conference the next summer and seeing the growth that they've experienced over that 12 month period uh, personally, but also as, as they've found ways that they can really help their peers mm -hmm. to have a great experience too. So those would be the primary ways I think I interact with others in the program. That's awesome. And yeah, I know everybody's this last summer, I know we had a lot of challenges, but I think it, you know, even with the challenges, we, we all grew and I think we came out very good. And I, you know, I think we should all, I mean, I, all of us came through. And I know you, each of you on campus had your, you know, you had just as much crazy times. I know that as some of us in the counties did, but we appreciate all the support from you. I know up there on campus and it helped all of us get through a lot of tough times this summer for sure. And so like, if you stop and think with 4-H, Steve, where do you see 4-H going in the future? Well, I think Jenny and ZMR and Angie have answered that really well to start with. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure I'm going to be able to add a lot, but I really do <laughs> think that we're going to be able to find find ways that we can continue mm -hmm. to reach those new audiences that we've talked about. Uh, we know mm -hmm. that we have an incredibly strong uh, traditional base of participants. We want to mm -hmm. keep those, but we also want to provide that experience in whatever way it might look like yep. to others uh, throughout the state. And so we know that there are, there are currently groups of and individuals throughout our state that have not yet had a 4-H experience. And I think part of what we've seen over the past few years is that we are much more flexible now in terms mm -hmm. of what we consider to be a 4-H experience. Uh, yep. Certainly the 4-H club is a tremendous option and that's something that we want to continue to support, but it doesn't have to be a club to be in 4-H because mm -hmm. you can be a part of a 4-H experience at Purdue for a, a half day and get a 4-H experience. You can mm -hmm. come to an event like a Teens as Teachers or a 4-H Academy and have a great experience with that. Uh, you can participate in some of our virtual programming that we've started to offer over the last few months and to be able to to join us from your home and to be able to have mm -hmm. interaction with each other and, and learn about some things that are going to help you personally, as well mm -hmm. as others that you live with or others that you work with, and still have a really good 4-H experience. And so I think that flexibility is something mm -hmm. that's going to be really key and helping all of us in the program to better understand what that means and how we can mm -hmm. best implement that as we continue to move the program forward. Uh, I think the the virtual way that we've learned to do things over the past mm -hmm. few months is um, provide some benefits that we hadn't thought about before. And so we know now that there are individuals who can't or won't or are not able to, for whatever mm -hmm. reason, join us in person. And so providing some of these virtual opportunities has allowed us to reach out to new folks that we wouldn't have, have accessed before. And I think they've 
come to realize that now there's some some value in the 4-H program. And so they're looking for ways that they can continue to stay connected mm -hmm. with some additional programs moving forward. And I think as we as we still are in this little bit of an uncertain time that we we know that there are some hybrid options available. And so some of those, we might be able to have small groups in person in different locations around the state, but be able to broadcast uh, virtually to those small groups, uh, multiple groups at a time. I think we've also learned that our, our county borders that used to be pretty strict mm -hmm. are not so strict anymore that a lot of those walls have come down and we've been able to do some programming across county lines across state lines that we would mm -hmm. not have considered um, prior to march probably of 2020 so uh, those types of things i think if we can continue to to think uh, outside our box so to speak mm -hmm. and think creatively i think we're going to find ways that we can really continue to grow our program mm -hmm. yeah and i i couldn't agree more i just i think what each of you have hit on today with that question. I just, I love it. And I love that our listeners are going to be able to hear that, you know, cause, and I think that's the one thing that we're, we've all tried so hard to get across to people is, is 4-H is so much more, you know, and I think by what, what each of you said just goes to show how big 4-H is and how it is so much more than just what sometimes people think it is. And it's neat to see all the new opportunities that Purdue's trying to bring in to you know, 4-H and Indiana 4-H is doing for our youth. So it's, it's exciting to see where we're going in the future for sure. And so to kind of wrap it up, Steve, if you, just for a fun question, if you could pick one person to have dinner with that's famous, that's living or from history, who would it be and why? I'll tell you, Adam, I have learned about three people that I didn't know before today's mm -hmm. call with Jenny and ZMR and Angie's <laughs> examples. I think mm -hmm. mine may not be that uh, exotic, so to speak, but mine, the one I, the individual that I've picked is John Wooden. And I mm -hmm. kind of go back to that. Um, uh, he's an Indiana guy, so that helps to start with a Purdue guy, so that makes him even better. But uh, And certainly he had a huge basketball influence, and I, mm -hmm. I like to basketball a lot, so that, that helps there. But I think more than that is is the, the man that I understand him to be in terms of, of mm -hmm. the of the principles of the morals that he was able to share with with others, uh, specifically the leadership principles and some of the things that we try to, to implement in the 4-H program with our young people. I think he has got some really great examples over the years of, of things that he was able to do individually, but also as a, as a coach, as a, as a mentor for other adult uh, and youth. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think he is, has set a really good example for many of us to follow in terms mm -hmm. of how uh, those leadership principles have guided his life and hopefully can guide others in the future as well. So I, I would be looking forward to, to spending some time with Mr. Wooden. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And, you know, and I just, I just want to emphasize again how grateful I am that each of you were willing to just come, come here today and just chat on our podcast and visit. And, you know, and that's the one thing we just definitely through this podcast, we just want all of our listeners here within Indiana 4-H to be able to get to know each of you and, you know, and what you do and, you know, what exactly goes on on campus and who each of you are. So I just, I just want to tell you, thank you very much. And that it's been a true pleasure getting to speak with each of you today and getting to join with you and just to hear your background and to hear some of these answers today were amazing. It was really, you know, really enjoyable just to get to hear your insight on Indiana 4-H. So today I'd just like to 
thank each of you, but I'd also like to thank our listeners for listening in to our Clover Call podcast. And we hope that you have a great day and enjoyed the podcast that we just shared with you. Thank you very much. Interested in learning more about Indiana 4-H? We invite you to visit our website, extension.purdue.edu slash 4-H, or contact your local Purdue Extension office and ask for the 4-H Youth Development Extension Educator. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss an episode. We look forward to joining you again on the next Indiana 4-H Clover Call.